Hello and welcome to How To Medieval, the how-to where two guys show you how to do it between the two of them. My name is Ari. And I'm Matt. And today we're going to talk about a cultural appropriation versus appreciation and kind of how much does your physical appearance have an influence or not on what kind of impressions you can or should or be allowed or not allowed to portray. So kind of a big nebulous concept. We'll, we'll break it down a bit over the, the course of the show. But the idea here is we're trying, we talk a lot about trying to make an accurate representation of a particular time period. Then, of course, that does lead to the question of, does the mannequin that you hang your new clothes on need to, and by that I mean you, you, you are the mannequin, does that have any bearing on whether or not you have faithfully represented a, a accurate or an accurate portrayal of this person or not? And we see, we see this, I'm sorry, we see this question a lot, um, especially in, in movies, it gets thrown around a lot when they take well-known characters and you know, change the race or ethnicity of the person portraying that character. I think one of the most contentious ones that happened lately was uh, they cast a black woman to play Anne Boleyn. And in, I forget which, what show it was, though. I just know that they, they cast a black woman to play Anne Boleyn in some show. And well... I'm not, personally, I was perfectly fine with it. I didn't see anything wrong with it. An actor's an actor's an actor. They they're either the best one to play the part or they're not. But there is limitations to that, especially when you're doing living history and historical interpretation. Sure, and it in film film is much different a world because I mean there's there's plenty to be said about back in the fifties when John Wayne played Genghis Khan. Like was that was that considered just movies doing what they do and casting the best person for the role? Or was that insensitive or not? And so what we're not talking about here is whether or not we are doing a performance. And I think that's the big difference. Because in living history, yeah. we're not trying to do a performance. We're trying to learn and explore. The idea behind living history, as I, I like to think we've, we've firmly established, is that it's not about entertainment value which is kind of one of those deciding factors between medieval-ish hobbies like when we talk back about like the ren fair verse living history and how many how many more allowances we allow for people in ren fair because it's about entertainment it's about performance it's about enjoyment whereas in living history we try and be a little stuffier about it and our enjoyment is comes from the exploration and the learning and so does I'm not even going to ask the question. I don't think that looking exactly like what you're trying to explore is somehow required to be academically interested and honestly curious about a particular time period or a particular culture. And taking on the regalia of that culture at a specific time is just as accurate and efficient a way to learn about them as it is to put on the clothing of somebody from a culture that you actually represent. And so, you know, here at the beginning, I'll acknowledge that my, my perspective on this, which I know that Matt shares, is that I don't think it matters that you reflect the culture in your physicality or the gender or the age or the race of the person you're portraying if you're doing it from the position of honestly exploring the culture in the way that we are really striving to do in living history. I want to backtrack just for a second to talk about, you know, the performative aspect of it, because I, I do think that there is a amount of what they call performative education. Once you start doing you know, talks to the public, and especially if you're doing first-person interpretation, there's definitely a performative aspect there. But yeah, no, I I do agree with Ari. I do agree that barring certain things, that no, you don't you don't need to specifically look like who who you were trying to portray, depending on what 
level of portrayal you're trying to do. So this goes back to the old the old discussion of cultural appropriation versus cultural appreciation. And so the, the definition uh, basically of what appreciation is, uh, appreciation is when someone seeks to understand and learn about another culture in an effort to broaden their perspective and connect with others cross-culturally. So, you know, learning about these ancient colors and cultures and portraying them and trying to connect through that portrayal, that's okay. Appropriation, on the other hand, is simply taking one aspect of a culture that is not your own and using it for your own personal interest. So there is a fine line here because a lot of what we do in living history is for our own personal interest. It's things that we are interested in. But I don't think that's what the definition is trying to say is appreciation is that you're interested in it and you know, you're using it for your own personal interest. I think personal interest means like using it for your own personal gain, either trying to get ahead somewhere or make money off of it or something like that. I've always really considered it in my own experience, anecdotal experience as someone trying to take advantage of somebody else of something that, that wouldn't normally, they wouldn't normally be able to benefit from. And that's where, the appropriation starts to come in, in my anecdotal experience. Yeah, I'd I'd agree with that. So let let's start at the let's start at like the the very baseline. Let's start at especially you know talking about medieval reenactment, and specifically you know Ari and I do medieval European reenactment. The baseline that we have for both of us really is age, and. Frankly, if, if we were only limited to portraying someone of the same age of ourselves, we start to get very limited as to what we can portray. Because we're starting to get up on the, well, at least myself, Ari's a little younger than me, but I'm starting to get on the upper end of, of age for the Middle Ages here. You know, I'm, I'm in my 40s, a few more years, I'm going to be a really old medieval man. <laughs> So th does that mean I shouldn't be able to portray a soldier anymore and I should I should switch to only doing like some sort of civilian clerical interpretation? I, I don't believe so, but I think we need to be, especially if we're doing it for a public education, we need to be honest with who we're talking to that, you know, when I talk to them, be like, you know, I would have been a very old soldier if it, there's some evidence for these this happening and there there being older soldiers and older knights but i would have been you know the upper age range especially in the next couple of years i'll be getting to that upper age range for what being a soldier would have been well in the grand scheme of things and this is sort of you talking about foundational topics is that none of us are wearing in in a medieval context or medieval living history context none of us are wearing an outfit that resembles our culture. We just, for instance, I'm not a German man, and yet, you know, if I were to represent a German knight, like not only are the clothes that I'm wearing not representative of who I am as a modern person, it doesn't represent my ethnicity either. Now, because I happen to be white, I could pass that way, and no one would know the difference. But if foundationally not portraying something that resembles you as a person is somehow inherently inaccurate, then that would close me out to so much. And that's an extension of what you were saying about age, is that if you have to be the right age, well, how many 16-year-old how many boys do you know that have the 18 grand to throw down on a truly knightly-looking harness because you have these young up-and-coming knights that have lots of my family money that buy incredibly expensive outfits and I mean we've joked before that you know you put the chapeau or your your hood on the side and wear it like uh as the chapeau style like that's just some punk 18 year old wearing his hat funny like and then it became <laughs> it then it became popular fashion but it's these it's young kids being roguish and youthful in the way they wear their clothes that create these fundamental style shifts. It's like, you know, there was there were grumpy old men in that time that were like, ah, these stupid kids wearing their hats funny, stupid. Anyway, 
they're, or they're, they're, their 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 coats are too short. Yeah, look at that. Oh my goodness, they're showing they're showing off parts they shouldn't. It's indecent. It's immoral. Ha! And they they rattle their their sabers. But you know, to say, well, I can no longer look like a rakish. I can never represent a rakish knight uh, versus a can you know a frumpy old knight just because of my age is. You know, how am I supposed to be able to explore those types of impressions? And, you know, we're talking about these. These are things that only are one, one metricies removed from who we are. You take that another level and you say, oh, well, if you can't represent somebody who's not your own age, then how can you represent someone from an Eastern culture if you're, uh, if you're Caucasian? And that's hardly very fair because there's, uh, you know, there's so many Middle Eastern and Eastern and African impressions that, People would love to explore, but you don't want people to be un or disincentivized to do the research that we've already done into you know Western Europe simply because they're somehow not allowed to explore those topics because they don't resemble those topics. And, and there's an interesting, there's sort of a, an interesting disconnect between the reenactment side because we're actually you know, dressing in clothes of that time and culture and the martial arts side of it, the, the Hima Hama, you know, there's a number of different martial arts schools out there. The Hima being the historical European martial arts, Hama being historical African martial arts, uh, Razmafar being the historical Persian martial arts. And you see a lot more, ease of moving in between those schools and being able to study those, even if you are not of that culture, because it's just focusing on the, the combat part of it. It's, it's, it's a technical training of these different cultural styles. The living history part of it, 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 gets, it gets muddy. It does, it, 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 and, and this is a very big, big topic. And a very heavy topic to we get don't into. We to, to solve this issue today. No, we're just, we just want to talk about this it. This is meant to just sort of acknowledge the, the concept that is out there, and it's something that you might run into. So, I mean, one of the big don't, don't ever do's, if, if you're portraying someone, a person from the past, from a different ethnicity of, of yours, you know, you can wear the clothes, you can eat the food, you can speak the language, do not ever try to alter yourself physically to look like them, whether mm. it be through face paint or, you know, anything like that. Just, just don't that that's a non-starter from the beginning. Don't ever, that's not appreciating their culture. That's turning it into a costume. That's true. Now, so that's one of those things where I acknowledged in that we had, um, we had John Wayne playing Genghis Khan. I believe he was made up, obviously, to try and look more like Genghis Khan. But then you turn around and you see, like the movie The Great Wall, which I think had Matt Damon in it, but they didn't necessarily represent him as a uh, Chinese man. They, I think, he was meant to be like a European import. So they had him dressed in obviously the rig, the the clothing because he was you know he had to utilize local resources, but they didn't try to portray him as specifically a uh, Chinese man, and I think that helped in some respects. And again, the the comparison shift here is that in that movie, it is it is better to not try to represent somebody that you're not in a in a way that is performative and i i acknowledge your points about performative education but when we're doing these living history situations we acknowledge that we are modern people in old time clothing that we are modern people trying ancient food we are modern people employing outdated and, and archaic techniques we can also acknowledge that we are the people of the ethnicity we are exploring somebody else's uh, ethnic ethnic heritage without trying to like force ourselves to to pretend that we are them because i think in many respects we don't pretend it's nice to say we feel that going back in the past experience but that doesn't ever mean that we pretend we are legitimately a knight like we've talked before about the people who are like oh 
I am a knight in the modern day. Like you really, you really aren't. And you know, show me how to ride a horse. When's the last time you robbed a peasant? You really aren't. You know. <laughs> and <laughs> the last time you robbed a peasant. <laughs> but we really, you know, we might eat medieval food, but you know, I also eat pizza and cheeseburgers, and we might learn how to do medieval embroidery to to accent a hood. But I'm not, I'm not a professional guild member. Of any, because there is no medieval embroiderers guild of which I could be a journeyman or even apprenticing to, and so I think those same philosophies carry into this situation, wherein we don't, as long as we acknowledge these aren't, this isn't who we are. This is just something that we want to learn about and we care enough to explore, and that's the the demarcation. Yeah, I think it's very. Very important to be honest with that, you know, to say this is not, this is not who I am, especially if you're doing something of another, another non-European culture and you're a white person to say, you know, this isn't who I am. I just find it fascinating and want to learn and experience it. And it, it goes the same, you know, it, it goes the same way for people of other uh, races and colors trying to portray European, they should be more than welcome and f- may be made feel welcome to portray, you know, medieval European things. It's like on Facebook, there was a page, like a Viking reenactment page I saw, and there was a kid, he's probably, I don't know, maybe early 20s, maybe, maybe a little younger. He was a black kid and he was portraying a Vikings. And somebody on that page just dragged this kid by saying, you shouldn't be interested in this. There, there are no such thing as black Vikings. You're not being honest as to what a Viking is. It's yeah, like there weren't any redneck Vikings neither, and yeah. plenty of them, non-Scandinavian, like to put on horned helmets like idiots. <laughs> and so it's just it's not a fair argument at all. There's not any redneck Vikings. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, the Vikings were the what was it? The 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 Anglo-Saxon women men complained that their women loved the Vikings too much because they were so clean and smelled good and kept their beards combed and braided and. They were, they were pretty. And yeah. it, it, we had yeah. to hate them because they were too fly. Exactly. Uh, but uh, luckily in that group, a lot of people came to the defense of, of, the, of the young man who was doing the portrayal saying, you know, he's interested in this culture and learning about it and experiencing it. He should be allowed to do it. And I, I, I would have loved to see the look on the face that, you know, that new report just came out few a few weeks ago talking about the viking uh, dna the scandinavian scandinavian dna where it's like 30 percent of it is from middle eastern and asian <laughs> origins i don't even think i don't even understand why that's surprising to people because if you're talking about either. a culture that is largely trade-based and they also like to raid other cultures for their stuff and their people at Every every culture that has perpetuated in a slavery culture has had the other races that they have pulled from their homeland eventually incorporated into their own society. It's impossible not to do that. It happened with the Romans in ancient time. It happened with the Vikings, and it happened in you know more modern uh, history, modern uh, modern age history. And yeah, so America, think, so, yeah, America, it's... England. To think that that couldn't have happened or that it wouldn't have happened in this one situation is nonsensical and i mean that that one's rooted entirely in a white supremacist narrative which is a, a whole different topic which we we butt up against sometimes and i'm not sure i want to explore any deeper but it's obnoxious to assume that there was never anyone of these cultures that they interacted with that came back home with them and were integrated into that culture that's just nonsense it doesn't make sense makes no sense you redneck vikings that's right <laughs> uh so getting back to more of the topic on hand i i know a number of people who who do portray uh japanese uh, you know you know samurai or even uh, japanese courtier um personas and they explore it and they 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 do it because they love it and they think it is the most fascinating thing in the world um it 
the water gets, like I said, gets a little muddy when you start getting into like a white European wanting to portray a African or something like that, because it's, there's just too much baggage associated with that to unpack. There is a lot of baggage and we have to acknowledge that. So there may be, I mean, if you can do it, you have to do it perfectly. You have to do it with the utmost respect and you have to do it with the utmost care and you have to be ready for people to criticize you because it, it, people will criticize you for it. And you need to approach it with the idea that you are not somehow improving upon the history, only that you're appreciating the history and wanting to explore the history. And that's just something we have to deal with, really. I, I, I wish I had some magic golden answer of this is what Matt says to do and it will work and everyone will be happy because no, a lot of people won't be happy with it. But it's figuring out a way to explore that in your studies and do it in a, a respectful way. And but that, go, and that goes for any, any cultural exploration at all, really. Well, and I, I know we talked a little bit and I tried to reference, hey, we can evenly and fairly apply these same philosophical principles from, from one aspect, which we're more comfortable with, to another aspect, which aligns almost the same, except it's got a little extra, like you said, baggage to it. But there's also, like you said, there are some impressions that are just going to be much more difficult to do without some sort of negative kickback. And if is that fair? No, but here's the thing, you know, we say, hey, being a white, middle-aged male trying to portray a, do a portrayal of, of a medieval or, or tribal African impression is going to come with a whole lot of, you're going to have to work really hard not to come off really tone deaf. I mean, the same restrictions apply or start and definitely starting to apply for even things such as like crusader impressions, which are entirely in line with your own ethnicity, but there are there are a lot of social backlashes that can be associated and negative stereotypes that can be associated with things like you know the Templar impression, which is becoming a a an impression of of more and more you know people are actually leaving the impression, not everyone obviously, but there are people who avoid that impression specifically because they can't afford to deal with the social implications that can be misassociated with that. So those who do have to spend time making sure that they are exfiltrating themselves from other people who use that impression incorrectly. And so the, some impressions are harder because you don't fit that particular ethnicity. And that's unfortunate, but it's also really ignorant to ignore that that exists on principle. Yeah, and for for the ad example, I think it's easier for someone like myself, a 40-year-old white guy. It's more culturally accessible or so that's not culturally, socially um accessible for me to portray a samurai than it would for me to portray a Zulu warrior. Um mm -hmm. Not, not that I, I probably wouldn't. I, I know absolutely nothing about the Zulu warriors. Right. Um, the, so one would be like, oh, he's just a he's a Japanophile, or he likes anime, or something like that, or or whatever they whatever they call people who love, you know, Japanese stuff now, and be like, oh, cool, you know, he likes he likes samurai. That's fine. And it's not, but you don't get the same you don't get the same thing for you know. On the other hand, of you know, well, maybe I like, maybe I really like the Zulu uh, culture. Maybe I really want to, you know, learn about it and do something and do more with it. And people don't, they, they won't give you the benefit of the doubt on mm -hmm. that as easily as doing the other one. Well, there's also, and there's plenty, obviously there's, there's plenty of, of reasonable bad blood between the, yeah. you know, both of those, you know, white people and Japanese white people and people of African descent. But I, in my anecdotal experience, especially uh, especially the, like the Japanese culture that's in Hawaii, where I, I spend some time because I have family there, I find that they are less protective 
of their of their culture in that I've I have experienced more people of Hawaiian and Japanese descent that are in, they're almost flattered by people who are interested in what they do, and it means that they have a larger you know a larger pool of people to sell their stuff to. That and that might just be tourist culture, right? I, I'm acknowledging that that outlier yeah. is there because I've never been to actual Japan to talk to people about this. But in my experience, I've found that people are actually flattered I mean, by the the Western interest in traditional Japanese culture, and that there is a there is less of that in other in other ethnicities, and that's because I think there's a different a different type of and a longer lasting animosity that can arise and a protectiveness that exists in one that doesn't in the, exist in the other. Yeah, I'd agree with, I'd agree with that. Um, I think, it, I think that's a really, really good point. I, 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 although I don't, like you said, I don't know. I've never, I know Japanese people, but I don't think I've ever broached this conversation with them before. It certainly be something I'd be open to doing with them. And that's, and that's the other thing, folks. You need to be open to having these conversations instead of just trying to shut them down. I mean, I know plenty of people who, going back to the Crusader thing, um, they won't even acknowledge the issues that are going on right now. And they just sort of say, no, I like it. This is what I do. Everyone else is wrong. Leave me alone. And you need to be able to acknowledge some of the issues that are surrounding us in modern day and history doesn't happen in a bubble we like to think that because it happened so long ago that it has absolutely no effect on anything that's going on right now and that's a lie and we, we all know that's a lie right and I, I don't under i don't know again that's one of the let's go back goes back to the whole vikings were had no had nothing that from another culture ever in their in their daily lives it just drives me nuts to think that someone could legitimately look at, say, Western Europe, who went on, again, they're not good things, but they went on crusades where they spent generations living in the Middle East, to say that they were a bubble with no other cultures influencing them. I mean, it was only because of a funeral that we didn't have a large-scale land war with Genghis Khan, like the Mongols were ready to take over Europe. To say we've never interacted with, with shortbow horse riders as Western Europeans is insane. And we also have plenty of indication that styles from the East and from the Middle East came into Western Europe. It advances in, you know, we imported silk and things like that. You know, entire fabrics that people were considered luxury items came from somewhere else. They, you, they did not live in this entirely like homogenous, like you said, a bubble. And we had, we had people come into, we had, we had Jewish, entire Jewish communities in England, like this tiny little bubble, this tiny little island in, in the ocean on the north, you know, in the, in the corner of Europe, you, they had entire Jewish communities and the, the, there's entire styles of dress that are unique to them, but they were incorporated into the, fashion of the day in the exact same way that we see these types of cultures integrate into modern dress when they live in cultures that they are a part of now. And there are plenty of experiences where people in the Middle East who are of European descent, they were living there as part of, uh, as part of just some, you know, sometimes as part of the Crusades and in between some of the actual hostilities, just people who grew up there, you, you had, you do have some indication that you had European people wearing very local regional dress because well the the fashions of the local areas developed because of their climate in large parts and so it was usually more comfortable to wear the clothing of of people local when possible and so we it takes like 10 seconds of historical insight to completely dissuade this idea that if if you are from this culture, you had to have looked this way no matter what. And if you looked like you're from that culture, you had to have looked that way no matter what. I just, I just don't understand where you can draw that conclusion without willfully ignoring the history that's available to you. Hmm. So I, I'll fully admit that Ari and I are not experts on, in this field at no, all. <laughs> These true. are just our own personal musings and opinions on it. Um, 
there are some good experts if people are more interested in in their ideas about this. There's a man um, who teaches at Wellesley College in Massachusetts. His name's Cord Whitaker. Um, he has some very interesting um, articles and books that he's written on uh, sort of this idea of race in the Middle Ages. And he, he's, he's very knowledgeable on it. I've actually been, been trying to get him to come on the podcast, talk with us um, a bit, but he's, he's very busy, of course, being a college professor. So he's you know, teaching classes, I would assume. But he does do a, a he runs a blog called in the medieval middle dot com. And it's, it's got a lot of interesting resources. It does bring in some modern day politics, as he is someone who tries to show the connections from these things that have happened over the past and how they all connect in the beginning. Um, but it's a very interesting blog. I suggest if this is something that interests anybody to check it out and, and read it because he's got some great books um, that he recommends. And he also just talks about a lots of different other, other things that sort of fit into this conversation. Uh, and may help you understand some of the criticisms that you might come up against or some of the history around deciding to portray someone of a different ethnicity. So check check that out. I think it's a really, it's, it's a very, I don't want to call it revolutionary or eye-opening, but it's a very interesting, interesting read and to look at what he has to, what he has to say about some of these things. So I guess one one thing that's worth acknowledging, we keep, we've said, hey, this is not something that you should shy away from. Obviously, it's something that you should take seriously if you engage in it. But is this the 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 overcorrection? Sometimes I worry about is well, if this is if this is something that is acceptable, is it something that should be done? Or and in other respects, are those who are not doing it somehow doing so incorrectly? And so those are a couple topics I want to acknowledge. And at least for myself, the reason that I have, I represent cultures that align fairly closely with my physical display is not because I did it out of an, a sense of avoidance, but it's because it just happened to be what I'm interested in. And I don't, I don't do it out of avoidance. I just don't think I'll ever end up trying to portray someone from an Eastern or Middle Eastern or or non-Western culture because in all of my in all of my pursuits of England like English the England longbowman the, you know the cavalry charger kind of the the knight in shining armor has always been that interest of mine and so that happens to to line up with with being a you know fairly uh, generic looking white person. So I don't want people to think that those who who aren't portraying because at some point then you you have this like void where if everyone goes and portrays outside of western Europe because well it's underrepresented then then you've now created a new underrepresentation, right? See, I've always wanted to and I, and I never have um because I'm 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 not I don't know if I could do it right. And this is something if I was going to do, I'd want to do it right. Is I've always been fascinated in the terracotta army, the uh, Chin era, area um, era, blah, um, Chinese. So the late third century is when it, when it was. Um, and for anybody who doesn't know the terracotta army, it's basically um, that they found the tomb of the first emperor of China, uh, Qin Shi Hung. And it's a form of like funerary art where basically they gave him an army to protect him and for him to lead in the, in the afterlife. And I always thought that that whole era of history in China and Chinese history, I found, I find it absolutely fascinating. And I've always wanted to put together a, a depiction of that, era of a soldier of that era but like i said I, I i don't think i could do it as well as it deserves to be done 
to do it. So that's why I've I've never done it. And and like Ari said, my also my interest, you know, I love knights. I love the knights in shining armor. I like the English longbowmen. I really like the story of Agincourt. So that's where most of my interest and in scholarship has been for for quite a while. But yeah, I, I guess if I was going to do anything that wasn't you know white European, then I'd 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 look into trying to do the the that Chinese history that terracotta army army. And that is that's an interesting point. It's sort of the same concept I have behind why I've always really shied away from first person impressions except in the con uh, context of having a script, is I just don't know, like you said, I don't know how I do it well. I'm not confident that my, my obviously, currently my knowledge base in these cultures is, is lacking, but I'm just not certain I'm, I'm in a position where I could portray that in a way that doesn't in, insult the subject matter. Honestly, I, sometimes I feel that way about the impressions I actually make I'm doing now like <laughs> I'm sorry I, I sometimes England. worry if I'm I'm doing it in a way that is respectful of the subject matter you know and so that's that's difficult and and if you're going to take on something that's an extra challenge you have to make sure that you're you're confident you can actually rise to that challenge yeah yeah I, I feel the same way too sometimes about like I'm like I just said I'm sorry I'm sorry England <laughs> I, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not portraying your history well enough here uh, mm -hmm. but, but I, it all comes down to that personal, you know, it's a personal decision of what you feel comfortable with, how much you're going to put into it. And like, I, like I said, I know uh, this is a, a subject that is broached within SCA circles all the time because I, it is a predominantly white person hobby. And you know, is it okay for them to portray different cultures? You know, and some, uh, there, there are some arguments that say, no, it's not. And so the SCA should be limited to just European cultures. Then there's the argument against that saying, well, that sort of erases a, a great number of history throughout the rest of the world. So it's always going back and back and forth. And, and there's that fine line of, uh, you know, are you not allowing people to portray other non-European cultures to protect the cultures from being portrayed poorly, to protect the SCA from being looked down on poorly, to stop people from portraying racial stereotypes, or are you know is there something darker that's going on? Why you only want to portray Europeans? You know because there is some of that going on as well. So. It's really, it's a very, very complicated subject with right. a lot of things that are intertwined. But in the end, even, even if you were to limit it to just European cultures, as we've discussed, like European culture includes a lot of non-European cultural yeah. artifacts and people from external cultures existing in Europe during that cultural time frame. And so, and, and doubly so with the with the SCA having the, like, I guess you'd say, we've talked about it, the, the lower standards, not, not in a necessarily derogatory way, but in the way that they, the ground floor for what is considered Lower entry level. Is, lower easy, entry level. Easy there entry. <laughs> easy entry. I mean, in, in a society where, you know, sweatpants under a, a polyester tunic is considered making an attempt, and is good enough to show up and play to get your feet wet. How is how is doing a articulate impression of something that isn't white European somehow a threat to the society? I don't I don't understand the the reasoning why you would want to prohibit something. No, it's it's that that fits the time frame, especially considering the time frame of the SCA is huge. It's it's pretty much you know they what was it 1652 forever before that like i mean it's yeah. kind of like isn't prehistoric it, it, technically you know, prehistoric culture considered acceptable portrayal like i think technically prior? because technically because literally it the only rule says pre 17th century cultures right. and that includes so, classical I mean, that that includes iron age that includes that includes stone age technically and i've so, never seen somebody come in with a stone age impression but i kind of want i kind of want to now i mean by 
I mean, if you want to be technical, I was, why couldn't you? No, 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 that's just it. There's nothing in the rules that say you can't. Um, right. And there are tons of cultures. And here's the thing. Let, let's, let's take this thought process, this thought experiment a little further and say, what European Stone Age cultures do we know about? Like, yeah, there's like the people who built Stonehenge, right? But you go back far enough and the majority, you know, you start going back far enough and the only cultures you have available to you are like the 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 cradle of civilization cultures where prior migration to the point where you you don't even have people living in europe if you go far, yeah. back far enough you know you can hit the calendar can the clock can go back far enough where people didn't exist in europe to portray in the first place you know and so i don't i don't know it just seems it seems unnecessarily prohibitive in a, in a society that's already extremely permissive yeah, I don't. I don't have an argument against that or for that or or anything. It's it's like I said. It's one of those. I don't know. I, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know, and I'm glad I'm not the people making the decisions on that one. Right. It, it's. I I think when it comes to things like you know talk about like the the, the stone you know showing up in a, with a Stone Age persona. I think that's more of like a, and yeah, you could, but it's sort of a socially. You know, they they tend to only portray these cultures that had some form of contact within a certain time frame. So like you said, you know, you go back far enough. Why would the, why would a Neanderthal be walking around with a, with a medieval knight? I guess that's a little more far fetched than why would a samurai be walking around with a medieval knight? But I'm, they, they're, they're within that, they're in that same sphere. They're within that same sphere. I just think it's yeah. one's a little farther out on the edge than the other one. Well, well, here's the thing, you know, there are, Technically, there were knights and samurais who coexisted on the same day, right? And so that's right. where you get, like, is that more reasonable? I mean, technically, I think what it was floating around Facebook somewhere that there were still technically feudal knights back when, like, the first fax machine was invented or something like that. So you could have sent a knight or sent a samurai a, a fax or something ridiculous like that. But we also have people who portray, like, you're talking about Iron Age Celts. And yeah. they never existed on the same day of the calendar that a knight did, and they'll still fight in tournaments against each other, right? And you've got hoplites fighting in tournaments against people with, uh, like, near modern impressions. And so the, to say that the time frame between them is important, but the, the society, the SCA already, already acknowledges that you don't have to be from the same time band to interact with each other it's not like they're they're like a labyrinth where you you have to stay in this corner because you're from this time frame you know yeah i don't know i'm, I'm, I'm not dunking on the sca or anything <laughs> no no like no that. you're I'm not just it's, saying, it's, like, it's it's good it, questions it, it, it's a to, to it seems like why. the best place to be able to portray these other things because then you know more strict living history groups impose certain restrictions that are usually more expensive to get into and require more rigorous education uh, or not necessarily education, but like a, an expected amateur knowledge base. Uh, yeah. But at wherein things like, which could be were things that could be prohibited that would otherwise be, Hey, like you should be able to play this way, but we're going to exclude that because it doesn't fit the aesthetic have nothing to do with whether or not, cultural appropriation or representing other cultures is good or bad it's completely like morally neutral it's just hey we have these rigorous guidelines and the sca those guidelines are so are so entry level and and accommodating and again not to to cast a negative light on it we it's they have an incredibly in inclusive and accommodating rule set that i don't see this being a conversation and that needs to happen very often yeah, I think it just happens when it's done poorly. I think we basically had the same conversation of, you know, is it okay to walk on a field with a tea tunic and sweatpants and say, you know, I'm a 13th century Japanese farmer? And it's like, well, is it, is it less okay to say it say that way than saying you're a third century Celt? I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, that's just it. I don't know. Uh, I, I, I personally think they're, they're equally. I think they're the same because they're both 
they they both are not they're making a SDA good effort, but I think both of those impressions fail to mm. really do what we want to in living history, which is like accurately represent something. And so I don't think either of those are are acceptable by our my standards. I'm not gonna even say our standards, like my standards, like my personal standards of what I think is good living history, neither one of those qualify. But the first example doesn't isn't disqualified because that person's white. It's disqualified because the outfit is yeah sub <laughs> is subpar. And if yeah. that same guy were to be wearing very authentic, and I don't even know how to describe authentic Jap feudal Japanese farming clothing because I, I don't know what that actually looks like, but say that they have it in the right material and the right cut, and then great, they like they've met my standard. Who well done. You're doing a you know you're trying an erstwhile way of of living that particular life and again it boils down to like i'm not a, an english person i wasn't born in england i you know i think my mom did ancestry and said we came from england whatever seven eight nine generations ago but then that's eight nine generations of my family living in illinois before they <laughs> they moved west and so like i'm you know, on on my mom's side, like I'm like a an a ninth tenth generation American with a bunch of Native American mixed in like four generations ago, and then on my dad's side, it's uh, Poland, and then the records were on fire. So I don't know what's beyond that. And so like, but he moved from <laughs> Poland to Canada like three generations before, and then my dad moved from Canada to the U.S. So like, I'm pretty cut and dry North American. So nothing I represent in Europe is. Ethnic, ethnically accurate. So why get wrapped around the axle at all about that? Well, but I think you could argue though that. that but, I, but I think you could argue though that you do have that connection. Um, you do have a your, that that European connection. I mean, almost sure. all almost all white people in the United States have some European uh, um, connection to it. So, but I also like, for instance, could I accurately represent? Uh, like uh, uh, you're talking about like the Near East and like Russian Sufi. I think I'm saying that right. Uh, Slavic impression. Like it's possible I have ancestors that came in from there into Poland, but I don't. I don't know. Um, could I? Could I not? Like, do I have to check to be sure? Just because I do have that connection a thousand years ago from people I've never met and will will never have any influence on, like, does that matter so much? I don't think it does, personally, because these people, short of a couple generations ago, in my, in my estimation, have absolutely zero bearing on my life. Because what is it? Isn't it 12 or 13 generations where everyone's practically connected to everybody else? That just mm. the, number, the number of ancestors you have starts to exceed the population of the world after like 20 some odd generations it's i it just doesn't bother me and that that apathy towards what happened a thousand years ago in in my heritage it's i mean it's the same ridiculous thing of oh yeah if you chase my genealogy i'm 198th royal like who so <laughs> <laughs> who who is it right like the <laughs> who, who a lot really... of people got to die <laughs> <laughs> yeah right yeah, great. You're you're the next, you're the king of the next apocalypse because you're the last one. Good job. Great. <laughs> and so, I don't know. It just, and so that that apathy bleeds through into not feeling like it's that that big a problem as long as you're doing it from a position of honest interest and you're doing it from a position of of curiosity and a willingness to learn. Because honestly, it, even if you were a, a you're an Italian person doing an Italian impression for the wrong reasons. That that bothers me more than mm. a than somebody crossing a cultural boundary to do an impression for really honest and good erstwhile reasons. And I think that's the bottom. I think that's the bottom line of it. Uh, the long and short of it, right there, is you need to do it for the right reasons, and you need to do it for the out of respect and actual interest and actual intellectual honesty. And trying to appreciate the culture. That that's it. That's bottom line. <laughs> that definitely that is the summation. Well done. Just like we said before, if you 
you do choose to go into it, you will have you will have a have to prove that more often than doing a portrayal of someone of your own ethnicity. Yeah, that's an that's an unfortunate reality, but uh, it is a reality. And it, a lot of it is because uh, the history of you know, exploitation. Frankly, it, it's it's harder to prove that we're not trying to do it ex- exploitive to you know to exploit people than out of actual interest. And yes, and that that is a horrible well reality. Yeah, you take advantage to it. of of people often enough they're going to try they, exactly. they are going to assume that you're taking advantage of them and i i get that and i and when i say that's unfortunate I, both it's unfortunate that we have that extra work to do or those who are interested in doing so have that extra work to do but to be honest it's also pretty unfortunate that people are are so cruel to people so systematically like i just no. that's also a big problem there so don't be cruel to people and then future generations don't have as much baggage to deal with because yeah. we're just not jerks to each other and then that'll be all right Stop being jerks. Yeah, don't don't be mean, guys. Gosh. That was the most but. California I think I've ever heard you. <laughs> yeah, it comes out now and again. Ari's just like, dudes, just be cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Now, if you, if you happen to be a, a cool guy that's not mean to people and is not, is is rad give us five stars and then we will also feel that love and appreciation call us tubular episodes Tubu- oh I, don't, I never did i never did tubular i also never did rad but uh yeah one thing <laughs> and again an, another one another thing that i can be proud of is that since i was i was southern california enough that i never actually had to unlearn saying hella which is which is nice hey you know what's you, you know something that i think is Hello, good. Ah, no. Paul Baker's yeah. music. Yes, and it's it's amazing that he allows us to use it his is. music After there. All and... of the, he must not listen to the show. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, he still lets us use it, so we'll, we'll take it as long as we can get it. And I, if you want to listen to more of his music after you finish listening to all of our episodes, all of his music is on the well. You can get his music and his albums from his websites, which are included in the show notes below. So, and folks, this was this was a, a this was a serious episode um, with a lot of big big questions in it. Uh, you know, we certainly always welcome you to send us an email if you want to make a comment on it. Send us a voicemail if you want to make a comment on it. Uh, comment on it on the Facebook feed when it drops because and, and join that conversation because these are conversations we should be having within the community to make sure that it's a growing, thriving, and welcoming community for, for everyone. So, Absolutely. And if you want to send in an email, that is howtomedieval at gmail.com. T-W-O, howtomedieval at gmail.com. And thank you for listening. Thanks, folks. Bye. Bye.